0: Welcome back to The Prospecting Show. Today is October 14th, and we have Rob Waddell on the call. How are you?
1: Yeah, great. Good to talk to you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so so before we uh, kick off the, the whole show here, I always like to ask people, you know, maybe give a little bit of background on where you came from. I know before the show here, we were talking briefly and... You have a very colorful background in the fact that you've been in a bunch of different industries and different worlds. Uh, it, it seems like they're worlds apart, but they all tie together. So maybe walk us through a little bit about your background for the past 25 years.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, in fact, as long as that, I've been, in, I've been in business and marketing for some 37, 38 years now. So uh, I'm a classically trained, you know, fast-moving consumer good brand marketer working for big number one brands mostly uh, food products, consumer products. So I cut my teeth working through corporate marketing, you know, climbing the ladder, doing the 20, 25 year corporate stint, uh, ending up being a global marketing director uh, in several different industries, uh, board level, um, you know, C-suite, and uh, then got involved in um, creating our own business, uh, venture, venture capital backed, uh, scary stuff, exciting stuff, but uh, you learn a lot of lessons doing that. And then more recently, my migrated the last 10, 15 years mm-hmm. to my own consulting, uh, where I've worked with businesses, helped them improve their marketing effectiveness, um, but also uh, help them get clarity on mission, values, visions, and get a clear strategy before then they get into a 12-month plan of activities. And I, and I love doing that consulting work. That's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and more recently, the last two to three years, um, my, my mainstay has been coaching. Uh, there's been so much growth in new startups businesses going online and particularly recently obviously everyone's scrambling to get online it can be really confusing uh so i do a lot of uh retained coaching to help people understand how to get the most out of with their efforts both online but also you know in the real in the real world of bricks and mortar
0: yeah so so based on that that's a really good point and good transition for us here because one of the Uh, There's there's a quote, I think, by Mike Tyson. He says, uh, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And I think 2020 has been that year for a lot of people, right? Where they weren't expecting this all happen and it just kind of whacked people on that side of the head. So what is it that you think, where do you think that people can improve right now? Coronavirus hit, you know, March in the United States, got really, really uh, busy and a lot of problems happened. And now we're coming to the, you know, the back quarter of the year here. So yeah. what do you what is your biggest piece of advice right now for people who have started to make that transition were forced to make it and are still having lots of difficulties
1: yeah uh, well let's break it down into uh, into three sections shall we you yeah,
0: let's okay? Do it.
1: yeah okay um, three sections because it really does depend where you start so if you're unfortunately in into- the situation situation where you no longer have uh, the regular employment that's really really scary. Um, but you've got this passion and you want to build your own business and, you, and therefore you've been you know trying to get that started online. Um, the most important thing is to have absolute clarity over what your offer is. I know it's you know hackneyed but it is true. If you can't present your offer to a potential client potential prospect in a simple effective way, then don't waste time and money getting the fancy systems and automations and everything else. You really need to test that out and do your research and make sure that what you offer is what people want to buy. It sounds really simple, but people kind of forget that basic thing. So right now, if you have decided to go into business on your own and you are looking at lots of different ways of doing that, just beware that a lot of people out there selling stuff, which is selling a system, but without actually selling an end product. You've got to be clear who your audience is and make sure that your offer is something that they are willing to pay you for. It's a competitive market out there. So really, really test that and do the research before you actually spend money on automated systems. That's the first thing to say. Second business model really is if you've been in business, continue to be in business, but you know, you're know you having to go online relatively late in the day because you've been bread and butter, face to face with people in the real world, um, and you've got to change, you've got to pivot what you're doing. Um, you can actually go back to your grassroots and, and say, what has worked in my face-to-face business? Because sometimes customer service is a really, really important thing that people forget about. And you can actually present that online, but what you've got to do online is you can't just sell cold, particularly if people have never heard to, heard of you before. So you know, one of my clients is very, very good at demonstrating how the organic marketing stuff needs to work. So if you go online, you do have to warm people up. You do have to be truthful about who you are, what you are, what your offer is, and and don't get caught out by the smoke mirrors. You know, if you want to go online and do your organic marketing then you will find your audience if you are consistent in what you do. Um, and therefore, I always preach to people, look at a combination of organic as well as mm-hmm. some paid-for marketing, but don't get sucked into running paid-for advertising, etc., mm-hmm. until you know that you've got something that works. But if we take, um, take restaurant businesses, they've had a real big hit. Some of those that were, were quick to move, move towards providing a delivery service. You know, from their restaurant so they could scale down their business and they actually could still offer a service and they've continued to keep going. Cash flow is incredibly important. But then move on to the third area and bigger businesses that are really have lost customers because of, of, of the restrictions. Then the first thing as a business owner I would say is look at your cost base. You know, if we take the golden rule that for a dollar you save on costs it could be five times more profitable than selling more then people lose sight of that. So trim your costs, cut your costs, get rid of the monthly retainers that you've got, the things that you don't need, and look at your profit base. I'm all about businesses that have got clarity over their profit loss statement. You know, fine, you sell something for $100, what does it cost you to get it out there? If we work on a 20% margin, and you say, well, I'm gonna sell 10 more units, you're only gonna make 20% profit. But if you actually save the similar amount, it is so much more profitable. So for exist, existing established businesses, look at your costs because that will free up your cash. Then you can invest that in growing and, and actually pushing it towards those new customers.
0: Yeah, those are all really good points too. And I think the cost recovery space is becoming bigger and bigger with people having to downsize, right? You talk about saving dollars. It's like, if you're gonna retain good talent, and you're gonna still do the same output to make the same amount of money, you gotta figure out how to get more optimized, right? That's really the key with everything. Can you optimize expense? Can you optimize marketing? Can you optimize sales? So talk a little bit about your current skill set in the way that you help people optimize, not on the cost recovery side, but on the marketing side.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, again, there's always different ways of looking at that. Let's start with your existing customer base. If you're still serving customers, then I'm all for looking at a portfolio. You've got a profit portfolio mix. You're serving different products or services to different customers. Find out where the sweet spot is, which customers are more profitable than other customers, and reallocate your marketing budget to do more and serve more of those customers. Um, When I was in big corporate worlds, we used to have massive, massive customers, and the the push was to serve the biggest customer and to grow the business with the biggest customer. But what I learned is actually customer number three, four, five or six could be, by deploying the same amount of marketing investment, more profitable in terms of the growth, because they may be starting from a smaller boat. So, you know, put put a thousand dollars into marketing to customer A versus put a thousand dollars into marketing to customer B, and you can you can do it by sector as well as customer type. You will get a more effective return for the same amount of money if you're looking to grow by breaking down your your you know, existing set. The other side is to look at growing your business. So, if you come back to the simple strategy, uh, if I was to draw a you know two by two, you know Boston bait. Uh, Boston Box. You have your existing customers with existing uh, products and services and if you move to the right you can take your existing products and find different customers or you can go to your existing customers and change up the products and grow products. So from a strategic point of view what can you do more cost effectively? You may need to spend less on product development by finding new customers so put your marketing monies into growing those new customer bases And if we looked online today, the growth of things like Facebook ads, YouTube ads, Google ads to a degree can be really powerful. If you know that you can get a brand awareness campaign going for YouTube advertising because the Google analytics are so powerful themselves, bang for buck, people advertising for brand awareness on YouTube are finding better results nowadays than they were through Google ads because that's more of a needs driven basis. I need this fixing i need to get an electrician in i'll i'll just type into google and you will find a service provider but if you are a, a business which is looking to get more clients in then you may decide that where i spend my marketing money you've got let's face it you've got advertising but you've also got sales people so depending upon the clientele break down where you could spend your marketing effort and if you're a bit unsure about moving large chunks of money then test it, you No, know, do it small and then scale it. But look at how you're deploying it across different platforms.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that that's a really important part for people to understand, right, is that the deployment of funds does not always need to be on the marketing side. Sometimes what that comes down to is taking the same no. customers and, and creating a new product that you can offer to them to solve the same issues, or you can invest it in your sales team or you might even go Absolutely. to a different platform that you're not even on yet. Like you talked about, people are doing this transition right now to YouTube ads and, and display ads and the ad network that is maybe outside of the traditional Facebook, Instagram, Google AdWords, right? There's a little bit of yeah. these changes that are happening. They're subtle, but they're happening. And because of that, the, the real benefit in my mind is like, there is a, they say it's kind of cliche, like the blue ocean, but it's kind of yeah. true. You can spend like right now in our company, we know what our cost per acquisition is, and we know what our cost per phone call is. Yep. And because we know both those numbers, when we go out to the paid market, we do a lot of organic, but when we go out to the paid market, we know exactly what we need to spend in a large enough amount to actually make the money back. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't know those numbers. So when they spend a $1,000 on ads and they get 30 leads and convert three people, they have no idea if that was a good or bad campaign because they just don't know their numbers. Yeah,
1: you, t- yeah. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. People don't understand their numbers well enough. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes it can be seen as a bit boring. But yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter whether we run... You know, online campaigns. Um, if you don't know what you can afford to spend before you recover that that client or that customer, the same applies. If you're selling supplements, you need to know what your cost of acquisition is. Mm-hmm. If you're selling a 10k coaching package to individuals, you still need to know what your cost of acquisition is. And people lose sight of that because, at the end of the day, marketing is just the efficient mm-hmm. deployment of a limited resource. That's it.
0: Yeah. So, so maybe you- walk us through some of the big things that you recommend for people let's say over the next six to 12 months what are some of the places that you think people should focus and where they should be starting to do some research to figure out how they can move their business forward
1: yeah well let's pick up on what you said the first thing is i i come from a product development background so the first thing is look at your existing products or services you know it can still this can still be a virtual coaching you're telling look at your existing service and say right how can i create a new product or a new service by knowing what i'm good at and knowing what we can do well and look at the the gaps in the marketplace for where you could evolve it, you don't have to swap from product A to product B or service A to service B, but look how you can scale it through a pricing differentiation or a size differentiation. So look at your product set, because if you can offer, you know, two services or two products, you're going to increase your probability of of selling one of them. Um, Similarly, um, look at pricing levels. Um, and, And, you know, the grocery stores over the last four or five decades have been masters at this. The reason there is an economy, a standard and a premium, and now we have super premium and ultra luxury, is they are pricing tiers. So if you're not sure where to look at your products or your services, look at a pricing tier that's why when you come to online nowadays you'll see online services and you get to the sales page and it will show you three product services at different prices. It's the psychology of give three choices and people are more likely to buy one. So if you are only offering one product or one service at the moment think about how you can expand that to offer slight differentiation and you can therefore use pricing as a key to you know if we take the traditional ladder of selling you go into mcdonald's and it's you know i'll have a i'll have a, a big mac and the first question you get asked is do you want fries with that do you want a meal because what they're doing is the upselling year and that's the modern terminology but they've been masters at it for decades so you can still do that with your own business what could you offer at the point of sale which is an additional purchase and that will improve your cost of acquisition massively. That's why the sales systems online have these one-time offers and they, you, know, you take, get through a whole funnel. It doesn't have to be complicated, but look at your current offer, look at differentiating your product, look at potentially pricing differentiation, and look at upselling. That's really you know a lot to cover off there. The second thing is look at where you're promoting and do look at all the platforms. Depending what kind of business you are, uh, I've already mentioned YouTube, Google Ads and Facebook Ads. It doesn't mean to say that you can't advertise your products on Pinterest, for example. So if you have got a marketplace of people that are hanging out on Pinterest, you can actually run Pinterest ads really cost-effectively. And the clever way to look at your marketing expenditure is to start linking things together. So, somebody I know very well established has made an absolute, you know, brilliant business out of being an expert in Pinterest, but then linking it with the website page and then linking it to YouTube's. So, the way to grow the YouTube channel subscribers has been through the marketing effectiveness of using Pinterest to a landing page and then redirecting people. So think about the connections because you and I online are all over the place. So is everyone, you know, today I could be looking at YouTube for one thing, tomorrow I might be on Facebook doing some social messaging, but we're still the same person. And those brands which are successful nowadays, this phrase of being omnipresent doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money, but link. At, look at the linkages between how you can use your assets. If you have a website, great. But what does the connect come from? And almost mind map it out, draw it as, as blocks on a chart, draw it on a, on a, I love getting a whiteboard out, and just scoping it out. What can you connect that you previously haven't connected? And then test, test, test. That's really, really important. You don't have to spend, you know, 10,000, 100,000 in one go test it small scale prove that it works and then you scale it
0: yeah and and that's actually a really good point for the small businesses uh where do you recommend that they start should they go all in on one platform and test that as as a vertical opportunity and then go to the next platform or should they deploy their their dollars across multiple platforms to start and split test that
1: Uh, Yeah, it really depends where their current strength is. Um, I do think it's really important to understand where your market hangs out more. So let's take TikTok versus Facebook. Really, you know, there's a massive, massive growth in TikTok. You can actually invest money and you you could push all your investment into TikTok. But what's the point if your audience don't hang out there? So the first thing I would say is you've got to understand your, your customer, your consumer, and understand where they are most likely to be. So Facebook is now yeah. more od- older in profile, it's more women orientated. So if your market is, you know, 40 to 50 year old women, absolutely, I'd be saying to you guys, prioritize Facebook yeah. as where to start looking. If, however, you are selling to students, then TikTok's going to be a, a better place to start. And if you're not sure,
0: start
1: in one place and test that works first. We know that Instagram is connected with Facebook, so you can run ads across both platforms at the same time and you can promote on the same at the same time using the same format. So go to where the market is most likely to hang out and there's loads of data online. You can just Google you know, a profile and, and compare the platforms. And you might find that, that YouTube is really where you need to start, but it comes back to understanding your customer.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the important part there is the demographic data, right? You talked a little yeah. bit about age, gender, maybe some interests, right? That's it, That the yep. interests of what they're doing it will determine the platform to put them on. But then also talking about mm-hmm. what you just said, which is the omni-channel approach, which is a lot about what we focus on as a deliverable, right? We know yep. that you can talk to people on LinkedIn and that's cool. But what about all the other stuff? What about email? What about text? What about voice? What about Facebook and Instagram? How do you get them from one to the other? And so we've really spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that. And you're right, the deployment of funds on the paid side, on the paid advertising side, is a lot less if you can serve ads to the people that you've already talked to on other platforms. Yeah, I have to pick up on that and just
1: say, look. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying and I just want to interrupt you to say, yeah, more of that, please it doesn't have to be difficult or complicated you can take the same content and repurpose it use the same content in all of those places what people tend to think when going online is that it has to be unique and extra but if i use the analogy of classical tv advertising when we used to run millions and millions of pounds and, and dollars in TV advertising You wouldn't worry about running an ad for someone to see six times, seven times, nine times, ten times. And yet today people think, oh, I need to do this piece of content on LinkedIn and I need to do this piece of content on email. What I say is you don't know which one's going to work better than the others. So use the same content. You know, I, I know guys that are really successful that put exactly the same words on their post on Facebook that they do in their email that goes out the same day. Don't think that you've got to create more and more content. Yes, you've got to have good content, you've got to engage with people, but don't be afraid to use the same content in several different places. You want to, you want to give your, your clients the opportunity to see you, notice you. It's really busy out there. I've forgotten the numbers, but we get hit by something like 30,000 marketing messages a day. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, well, and and that's the competitive space that we live in, right? Especially on the consumer front, there's all these marketing messages all the time. And so I think the the key is, The reason the omni-channel approach works is because you have to compete for that brain space and that purchasing space with your customers, right? They're seeing these 30,000 touch points. You can't be one of those 30,000. You need to be like 100 of those 30,000 touch points that they see a day, right? And the way you do that is by creating the omni-channel approach so that when they're on LinkedIn checking their business inbox, Uh, they're getting some content from you then they go to their feed and they're getting it there and then uh, when they're done work for the day and they're on Facebook they're getting some retargeting ads over there and then they go into your funnel oh and they're already on your email list right and you (laughs) shot them a text this weekend right and you sent them you know some value add or an interview or testimonial or something else like there's all these different opportunities that exist and the whole key is like how Often do you change them? How much do you spend on them? And which ones are winners versus losers? And that yeah. I think is the most important part on the back side of doing advertising is figuring out when to kill the things that don't work. Not about necessarily people understand when to scale, I think. I think the part that is really difficult is when do you shut something off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And and times change. So people tend to forget that advertising costs will change week to week, month to month, depending upon demand. So sometimes a campaign that's been really successful may actually start to wear out. Your prices, your cost of acquisition start to go up, and sometimes that could be because you are actually, you've you've hit the same market for six months, and you're just not getting the click-through rate. You're not getting the, you know, the telephone calls, the conversion rates. But similarly, people also lose sight of the fact that we're now coming up to, you know, end of October, Halloween trick or treat. We've got Christmas. We've got Black Friday. Everyone is piling into paid for. So sometimes don't be too concerned too quickly that the cost can go up because it's a seller's marketplace. Facebook have got limited spots and newspapers limited spots. The price will go up. So you've just got to judge that. But I agree with you run consistently so that you know when to kill and when your cost of acquisition starts to dip so far that actually you say to yourself it's probably not commercially worthwhile to carry on spending that amount of money if i'm only breaking even then kill it absolutely and put the money somewhere else
0: yeah no that makes tons of sense um and in your mind what what do you think people should focus on now now that they kind of know what's going on in the marketplace and it's stabilized a little bit after COVID, where where should be people be focusing in your mind
1: uh, people should be focusing on making sure that that absolutely their their product matches what their prospect actually is going to pay the money for. Do the research. People are rushing too far into launching stuff, doing stuff without doing the research. It's worth spending the extra time making sure that your absolutely ideal customer. A, you can find them. B, you can you can get your message to them. But C, that it resonates. Um, so much money is wasted by, by getting lots of ads running, for example, and people say, well, my ad's not working. You know, it's, it's probably the most common thing I come across. My ad's not working. But actually, when you dig into it, then they've not actually put the time into talking to a few of those potential customers and making sure that it's a really good offer. Uh, that's the most important thing. The second thing is yeah. to have a mindset, which is about testing everything's moving so quickly online digitally that you have to have a mindset that you may not get an instant payback Um, because people get really quite depressed when they see they've spent you know a few hundred dollars or maybe a few thousand dollars and they're not getting the result Um, absolutely have a mindset which is i'm going to invest let's take a number i'm going to invest two hundred dollars in facebook ads i don't expect a sale but what i expect through the data is to learn which parts of it are working. Maybe it's my audience selection, just as one example. Maybe it's the fact that my landing page isn't converting as well. So I would would really, really encourage people to be of a mindset to invest in testing without any expectation of result. Yes, of course, we want to make money, but make sure that you don't feel that you have to Make that sale on the first occasion, because then you know it causes all sorts of issues further down the road. You know, have a mindset which is online, digitally, importantly, is a testing regime. We used to do it classically on TV advertising. We would test the campaigns. We would test it in a region. You wouldn't spend the whole, you wouldn't bet the whole farm in one go. So, why should the discipline be any different online? It shouldn't. You've got to have that mindset that this is a learning process.
0: Yeah, and, and I think realistically, people are impatient. That's the whole thing, right? People want to—they <laughs> yeah. want to go spend a thousand dollars over the next thirty days, and they're expecting that to be ten thousand dollars tomorrow. And it's like. you it doesn't work like that if it worked like that everyone would be a millionaire and everyone would have paid ads figured out and no one would ever have to guess or change copy or change content or anything because it just worked. but that's not the case so i think people have to be a little bit more realistic have to be willing to test have to be able to relax a little bit in the process and figure out what needs to be done um and, and then also get you know some consulting from someone like you uh where it's like hey let's take a deep you've been spending money for the last six months or 12 months or you know two years and things are not working as well then they can come to you and kind of get that more consultative approach where it's like hey why is it
1: not working yeah we evaluate the current situation break it down and if you if you visualize it like a an engine which is full of cogs some cogs are big uh big flywheels some cogs are small but each of them has a different degree of leverage a different gearing so your marketing efforts shouldn't be thought of any differently what we do is we take the whole picture from start to finish right the way through the kind of the sales journey the customer journey and you break down how is it performing at each stage but what you might find is that there is only one priority area where if you improve that particular cog in the wheel and it cranks out a better result it would blow your numbers sky high and massively outperform so don't worry about tinkering all the wheels in one go find out the biggest wheels that have the biggest difference and pull that lever first and and put your efforts into that and often you will find let's take an example it might be that your old customer journey is actually pretty good in sets of numbers but we're not making that final sale me as an individual if I'm the person doing the selling let's say I'm I'm onboarding a new coaching client and I'm not getting more than a you know 40%, 60% conversion rate, then there's something in my sales process. But if the rest of my numbers are fine, then that's the bit I need to focus on. Maybe I'm just not a very good salesperson, so maybe I need to hire in salespeople that are very good at that discipline. But if it's the front end, that I'm just not getting a, a high enough percentage of people going to my inquiries page, then fix that bit first. So what we do is we break down the whole the whole uh, customer journey into the numbers that say which part could be improved with the least effort.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And and to your point, you got to test one thing at a time. A lot of people try to test (laughs) They throw the whole campaign up and go, let's change this and that and that, and then then something actually works and they have no idea what caused it to work, right? And then you're just like, oh man, like, yeah, we got a great campaign. And then it stops working later and you have no idea what you changed because you changed seven things at the same time. Right, and, yeah. that's, and that's a
1: common issue. Yeah, let's uh, let's give give the listeners a little bit of help here. If there was one single thing in the whole advertising promotions piece that I would say to focus on more importantly than anything else, it comes back to the copy. So, let's take an example. Um, in the real world, we could spend a lot of money running an ad on on um, Super Bowl night, in the mid-break in Super Bowl it's the most expensive ad break to buy. Why? Because the audience is so big. But if my creative execution, the ad is a really good piece of creative, it will engage with my audience and it will get noticed. You know, The impact of that specific ad will get noticed and remembered and people will then want it. Whereas people online tend to think, oh, it's all about the targeting. Yeah, it's really important, but I'd much rather have a broader audience and a broader campaign and have a creative that is absolutely well worked, it will find the audience. The numbers will still work. So the creative ad execution, if doing testing, is a lot of effort needs to be put into that part of it. Uh, and if we take a TV ad, you know it's a visual medium. Same applies, though, if you're running a radio ad. You know, what grabs your attention when you are listening to music in the car? Which hook, which part of it could be improved? So, you know, it is worth paying for good copywriters. And the reason is because they are focused on getting that message across really succinctly so of all the things in advertising promotions that i see sometimes not enough effort is put into working the creative and testing different creatives
0: got it okay yeah i mean that that's a really good way to look at it too and also the attention going broad i mean this is an issue that a lot of people have but they try to narrow down too much of their audience and it's just like that that's that's not going to work and then there's also people who go too broad and they serve their ad to 20 million people in the u.s yeah and it's like that's i mean yeah yeah your customers in there but like are you taking on 20 million customers no you're taking on like 10 or 20 or 30 right yeah and so if you're you're serving one to a million that's a lot right it's really really big yeah
1: i i certainly i'm saying i i've I've cut ad costs down by two-thirds by just improving the targeting.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, So to kind of wrap things up here, people were interested in kind of talking to you and learning a little bit more about, uh, you know, what you do and how you can help them. What is the best way for them to reach you?
1: Uh, yes, thanks very much indeed. Um, my two platforms uh, really are Facebook and LinkedIn. So if you look me up, Rob Waddell, W A W D E W L, on Facebook, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, LinkedIn, similarly. Um, my business is really split into two parts. One is is the marketing coaching, uh, which is about finding those areas where we can improve the effectiveness and performance. And the second is more business to business consulting, where you're already turning over 10, 20, 30 million. And now I can help you uh, at senior level improve the performance of your business, either through your employees in the marketing team or through the agencies that you're using. Because let's face it, it's really hard to keep on top of all the latest trends. And sometimes, you know, you can be told by the social media team or you can be told by the ad agency, oh, yeah, we're doing great. Look at these results. But if you don't know the smart questions to ask, you don't understand all the different metrics and all the under platforms. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you could be wasting dollars and not getting good enough results.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So so reaching out to you on, on Facebook and LinkedIn is going to be the best bet. And yeah. I think a lot of people who listen to this, they're in that smaller business space, but they're doing some of that marketing. So I think it's a better fit for for those services that you have there, um, there's not too too many people that listen to the prospecting show that are doing you know 10, 20, 30 million right now. This is really a small business entrepreneurial highlight. Yeah. So if people end up listening to this um, this episode, which is probably getting close to episode 100 by the time we uh, release this out here, but. You know, I reach know. out to Rob. There's there's a lot of things that uh, he brings to the table from years of experience on the corporate side and also on the small business side. So I think it's a good blend. A lot of the coaches and consultants out there right now have only been on one side of that. And I think that narrows the opportunity for success. So Rob, you know, you you have experience on both sides, which I think is very valuable, especially for the small business owners going forward. So reach out to him on Facebook or LinkedIn, Rob Waddell, W W A. Double D E double L, as you say, right? So W A U's all the way yeah. through. Yeah, exactly. So appreciate your time. Thank you so so much for coming on the prospecting show. It's been a cool episode That's been talking great. about the differences. Thank you and have a great rest of the day.
1: Thank you.